Welcome to the Launch Metrics podcast series, Beauty Talks, where we connect with today's industry leaders to share insights and advice on all things beauty. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to our latest podcast. Today we'll be discussing the state of influencer marketing, and I'm so excited to have two of our favorite influencers joining me. So allow me to introduce Roxette and Ale. You may know them by their YouTube channels and Instagram channels, Roxette Arissa and Styled by Ale. Um, they'll be sharing some of their unique perspectives and what it means to be an influencer, some insights into their industry, and whether anything has changed during these uncertain times. So Roxette and Ali, if you guys wanted to say hi to our listeners. Hi guys, how are you? It's Roxette here. Hi everyone, it's Ali. So happy to be here. Great, so let's just start right off. Um, so I think it would be great for our listeners to learn a little bit about both your backgrounds. Um, could you guys tell us a little bit about your journey into the influencer world? How did you guys get started and what brought you on this path? Um, so if Ali can go first and Roxette, you can follow up. So for me, um, I started because I, I had a business. Um, it was my, it was LA's first boutique on wheels and we used to sell clothes at like outdoor like flea markets and I needed to find a way to get an, a larger audience so I started an online store and then I knew that I needed to get people to my online store so that's when I started YouTube and I kind of just started styling the pieces that I had on my online store because I just wanted to reach a, a bigger audience and from really starting just to kind of um focus into my business it ended up turning into something that I really really loved I loved the connection with my audience and my YouTube kind of took off. So I ended up putting my business on hold and focusing full time on YouTube. And that's kind of how my entire journey started. And Roxette yourself? That's so cool, Ali. I had no idea. That's such a cool story. Um, so for me, I had a little bit of a different path. I was a competitive figure skater my whole life. I did it for 20 years. And through figure skating, I was always wearing makeup from a really young age. Like, you know, I was four years old and my mom, I remember her putting on red lipstick on me. And it had this like transformative quality for me where I just like felt like a whole different person when I was, you know, had my makeup on and had my and I could go out there and compete in my figure skating competitions and you know I was I'm moving around a lot actually for my figure skating training and I was at the time living in Detroit I'm from LA originally but I had moved to Detroit for training and you know it's a totally different city and I just found myself immersing myself into this new world of YouTube. And at the time it wasn't really like a career path. It was just kind of like this cool new platform where you could share your love of beauty and fashion and you know anything that you were interested in. So that's how I kind of got into it. And one day I was just like, you know what, I wanna start a channel and I'm gonna make some videos and it kind of rolled on from there. Wow, that's amazing really fascinating that both of you guys come from completely different backgrounds and very unconventional backgrounds actually so Ali for example you mentioned that you had the boutique on wheels business and Roxette you're a professional figure skater so Roxette how do you think your experiences as a professional figure skater impacted your influencer persona 
Um, I mean, they definitely had a huge impact on not only my influencer life, but just me as a person. I think like my figure skating experience itself just instilled this insane amount of work ethic. And, you know, I was able to really use that when starting to become an influencer or a YouTuber because it really is like starting your own business. You know, you're making these platforms online and anything you post is almost like part of your resume. And also, I mean, obviously starting makeup at a super young age gave me years of experience and a true love for beauty and, you know, the makeup world. And also I feel like my connection to like my internet audience um, it is really close to me just because my, you know, upbringing and surroundings were a little bit out of the norm, I guess you could say. I really love the community that I've created. Yeah, completely. And it takes a lot of dedication to be an influencer. So that kind of brings me to my next question. Um, there's always a conversation around what an influencer's role is in the industry. You know, whether it is to drive sales or awareness, in your own viewpoint, what is an influencer's role? Definitely awareness. I mean, my role and the way that I think about it is to, you know, provide the best education for different products or different techniques and use that product like and talk about the products that I really love and almost gain like trust and loyalty in my audience because that's one thing that I've always felt is like I'm never going to talk about something that I don't genuinely love because my relationship with my audience is more important than any you know sponsorship or any paid post and I've definitely learned that you know that kind of awareness just brings that loyalty and brings that longevity in the channel and you know i receive dms and tags and whatever all the time about products that i've spoken about in past videos like over the last couple of years not just you know this week but like three years ago two years ago stuff that i've continued to talk about and i feel like that's that loyalty that i'm building and that's what brands are really investing in yeah i think you make a really great point because in our latest State of Influencer Marketing report, we found that there was a 5% increase in brands using influencer marketing to drive product or brand awareness in comparison to last year. So what you mentioned about that longevity is a great point because we're seeing more brands work towards building a loyal community with the help of influencer marketing rather than just focusing on driving product sales. Um, so how has influencer marketing evolved through the years you've been in the industry? And what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? Um, I would say, you know, there's been a huge evolution to making partnerships work best. It was really hard for a lot of brands, I think, earlier in the days, just because, you know, this, it was a whole new industry to let go of that commercial scripted marketing. And, you know, we've worked with brands over the years to revise scripts and concepts and the creative to just ensure that promotion would be able to launch on my channel in a manner my audience would best respond to. And I think nowadays brands are definitely more willing to give that creative freedom to the creator, you know, now on their platforms while doing more work for higher campaigns for the commercial marketing assets. So it's almost like two separate things in my opinion, where it's like, you know, you have these big campaigns for those commercial type 
concepts that will probably live on, you know, either the brand's website or the brand's channels, social media platforms. Um, and then on our channels, I love it because now it's come to a place where, you know, we do have a little bit more creative freedom than was once given to us. And, you know, it's always evolving, so you never know where it's gonna go. So when do you consider collaborating with brands for free? Um, I think that, you know, during times like these, it's something that with the state of the world, like we're all kind of going through everything together. So especially with brands I've developed a long-term relationship with, um, I for sure consider doing partnerships um, without like a paid, without anything paid behind it, just because I value those relationships. And again, if it's a brand that means a lot to me or that I've worked with a ton in the past, or that I could see a partnership going towards in the future that really encourages me to, you know, build the brand relationship. And also when there's like charity partnerships with those select brands, I think that has a huge impact on like my viewpoint of collaborating um, because, you know, it's all about giving back too. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like audiences really appreciate those long-term relationships that you've built with a brand because it does feel genuine and obviously something that is authentic can really resonate with your followers and your community, right? Right, 100%. Yeah, so Ale, um, to you, how do you choose which brands you work with and how do you know if a relationship is working? Well, I think it falls back with, you know, knowing that your audience knows you very, very well. And, and I always think of my audience first and I think is this something that resonates with them? Is this something that's true to my brand? Is it a brand that I already love, that I already use? You know, those things are very important. What's what's going on in my life that maybe this ties into what's happening in my life? You know, for me, I have a very, I have a lifestyle channel. So I share, you know, I share beauty. I share me, you know, some recipes that I love. I shall I share struggles that I'm going with, going through in, in my life. So it's very like a well-rounded channel. And when a brand approaches me, I really think of, okay, where, how does, how does this fit into my life right now? And, you know, I've been very lucky to have been work, have worked with so many amazing brands that I truly love and that I have shared. I love it when I talk about a product that I genuinely love that I've been using for years and the brand sees that and they reach out and it's just like, it's such a perfect match. Um, and you know, that's like the, the best case scenario. And yeah. you know, to know when, when a relationship is working, I really pay attention to my audience's response, to how they respond to a, a, a partnership or a collaboration, and obviously to, to the relationship I have with a brand. Um, again, I've been really lucky to work with you know so many amazing brands that I genuinely loved, and everything has been, you know, building a relationship with them and working with them has been so great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just really pay attention to how my audience responds to, to my collaborations and partnerships. And that really tells me how, how it's working and how it turns out. Yeah, for sure. Um, and could you tell us a little bit more about a collaboration that you were really proud of or something that like fits perfectly with what you just said? Um, there's, there's a couple, but I think one of the ones that I'm, two that I'm really proud of, but one of the ones that really stands out to me is Probably my collaboration that I did with Benefit, um, I think it was about two years back or a year back, 
Benefit is a brand that I've loved before, you know, I became an influencer, you know, when I would go into Sephora and at the time I couldn't really afford a lot of makeup. I, that was one of the brands that I loved. I loved their packaging. I loved the product. So when I was able to work with them and it was a campaign where um, I was going to be the face of one of their new blushes and I was going to be in Sephora, it was just, it's like everything came full circle for me and I realized that all my hard work had paid off in that moment and that's just a, a collaboration that I'm really, really proud of. It's a brand that I, you know, use in my everyday life. They're my favorite, they have my favorite brow pencil. Um, so to know that I've worked with them and, and accomplished something like that, like being in Sephora was, you know, one of my greatest accomplishments. Wow, that's really amazing. Like to see all your hard work and like all the dedication you put into your, you know, your business come to life. That must be an amazing feeling. Um, it is. But obviously being an influencer, it's not always as glamorous as it seems. And you mentioned previously that you always still go through a lot of struggles and, you know, you're opening yourself up to a lot of criticism and people have expectations of who you are, how you should act. So how have you handled criticism as an influencer and how do you continue to stay motivated? You know, I mean, I feel like it, I, at the end of the day, I am human and there are times where maybe I'm going through something in my personal life that a comment will get to me versus when I'm feeling at my best. But I have, you know, I have my husband who's been such a great support system and he's always there to remind me that I do this for the people that really enjoy my content, that really love me. Um, and at the same time, I don't take the criticism personal. You know, I started my channel and when I started my channel, I didn't have, you know, my teeth were not straight. And it was something that people would always comment about. They would always love to, and to try to put me down about that. And I took those comments and I would talk about the situations and tell my followers, you cannot allow other people to try to bring you down. I know my teeth are not straight. I know that I'm not perfect, but I love myself the way that I am. And I can turn on a camera every single time and feel confident in who I am because this is who I am. And I love myself. I love my imperfections. You know, someone told me that I shouldn't be going on. Um, I did, you know, I did some, some interviews and it was broadcasted on, on TV and someone told me you shouldn't be going on TV until you fix your teeth. And I took that and I said, I'm a normal person and I feel confident who I am. I don't need to have perfect teeth to feel beautiful. Um, and I take those messages and that criticism and I always bring it back to my audience because I know that it's, that's just a very, very tiny percentage of people that like to point out our imperfections or talk about our work or say that we're not good enough or that we don't do makeup good enough, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm here to send out a positive message. And I always, that's always my message. Love yourself the way that you are. Don't let those things get to you and just keep going because at the end of the day, there are people that love you and they love you for who you are. And I stand by that till this day. And I, you know, I did tell him, I said, I will eventually get braces, but I'm going to do it when I feel it's my time, not just because society tells me that my teeth need to be straight in order for me to be beautiful. So yeah. my, you know, for me, it's just, it's just a way to, to take those messages and spread a, more of a positive message because I feel like now more than ever we need it in social media, you know, it's turned into a platform where people just love to nitpick and try to break somebody down. Um, but we have such a huge voice and maybe somebody else is going through that, whether they're in high school or work or their family and just letting them know that um you know you are beautiful the way you are and it doesn't matter what what other people 
say. And that's just on like a physical aspect as far as criticism, but obviously they criticize like maybe my work or maybe the way that I cook dinner or, and you know, it's just understanding that everybody has their own point of view, but understanding who you are at the end of it all. Yeah. Ooh, yes, that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that really is such a great tip, you know, not just for influencers, but everyone in general. I think we're so emotionally invested in these platforms now. And it's sometimes it, we just need to take it back and like focus on ourselves. And especially, like you said, there's so much cyberbullying going on. You need to learn how to protect yourself from all the criticism and everyone always has something to say. So exactly. try your best not to take anything personally. So Roxette, in our report, we found that 56% of influencers said one of the biggest challenges they face when working with friends is unclear creative briefs. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been there. Um, I think it's really important for the brand to be clear on the objective of the campaign and super clear on like the hero product, if there is one, and that priority messaging that they wanna put across because I do find that it's tough to work with multiple hero products and multiple priority products and multiple messaging that you know, you're know you trying to fit into an integration or a dedicated video or an Instagram post or whatever it is because you know we are trying to almost balance, like yes, we this is our career, so we're doing sponsored posts, but also it, it's like a balance to try to continue to keep it in our voice so that our audience can take it the best way possible. And I feel like if the brand is super clear on the objective, then I can work with the brief to create a creative that works best for like my platforms and my voice. And I also, you know, I really like to collaborate with the brand on this process and ensure that no production of any content starts without an improved creative or script or brief um, just so that you know I can put out and give the brand an example of like this is exactly what I'm going to be doing do you approve this and then um, you know I hope that the brand can be flexible and work with me to create the best result for all parties but I think when there's a clear understanding of what the brand wants we can really create content that mirrors that yeah, and I think what you said just touched upon uh, transparency and like open communication between friends and creators, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so Ali, what are some of the biggest challenges you face when working with friends? Is it similar? Um, yeah, I think just them understanding that we know our audience best. And if, you know, just getting a little bit more wiggle room as far as creative, because you know, doing things in our voice because th this is why our audience watches us because they love us because they love our content. They love the way that we do it. They love the way that we say it. So it, it's it's having the brand understand that we know what we're doing on our platform because we know our audience best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you obviously have a very diverse audience, right? Um, and we talk about authenticity a lot as an influencer and how audiences want to see more content from influencers that they can relate to. So what topics do you address on your channels aside from like style and beauty and how does it resonate with your diverse audience? Um, I mean, for me, like, like I said, I feel like my channel is, you know, I started very lifestyle, you know, I started, I mean, I started talking about fashion, but then I started talking about my business, how I started my business, how, to, how I grew my business and kind of how, um, 
how I ended up being an influencer. And so I really started opening up the topics of business. So now my audience knows that I can touch on that topic. And then from that, it became, they became like such a family to me. And, you know, I have a vlog channel as well. So it became easier to talk about more personal topics. You know, I recently started talking about my journey on, um, you know, getting pregnant and how it's been very difficult. Um, and I feel like that, even though it was not easy for me to talk about, it helped me. And I know that it helps so many other women because I know that I'm not alone. Um, and so just talking about very, you know, personal things like that, obviously still protecting myself um, because again, it's, this is the internet and people love to, uh, you know, try to take those moments and use them against you. But I kind of look at the bigger picture and I know that by me talking about this, it's helping me, it's helping, uh, you know, maybe one other person out there. And again, I also talk about fun things like, or, you know, organizing and cooking and things that genuinely bring me happiness. I just started my, my workout journey. So I, I'm now talking about workouts and I just tried to be a very well-rounded um, channel that, you know, anybody can come onto that channel and relate to me in one topic or another. Yeah. And that's beautiful that you share so much personal stories on your channel, I feel. And a lot of women, like you said, do struggle with pregnancy and issues around that. So it's really nice to see that you're bringing light to such topics. Um, Roxette, so year after year, brands have said that measurement remains a key challenge for them when working with influencers. In your own perspective, what are the metrics of a successful campaign and how do you communicate your value to a brand? Um, so again, I would say like that longevity that I was talking about before is really validating to me. And I think that shows a loyal audience that brands can invest in. Um, but in terms of like a wrap up report or, you know, like the metrics besides sales, clicks and swipe up links, I think are a pretty good action measurement um and i also like to notice like the saves on instagram posts meaning you know people want to return to that post at a later time again like talking about that longevity of a post or of content um and i think that you know those actionable measurements of conversions that can be looked at along with sales and impressions and reach. Um, it's kind of like an all in one, I would say. Like there's not one specific thing that I think brands should be looking for. It's like how overall, you know what I mean? Like taking all those things into account um, is something to note. Yeah, and I think also another thing that a lot of brands miss is you're obviously influencing not just audiences in your community but also other creators too to create similar content you know or when they see that you're doing something around a, a brand they go out of their way to create something very similar as well so i think it's a full circle yeah a hundred percent and i think a big thing is like you know building that awareness and that's something that you can't track but it's something so valuable because like you mentioned it's like you know when i see one of my friends that i really like love or respect or whatever post me about something i'm like oh my gosh like i think i got that in pr let me try it out and like let me talk about it you know not forcefully but just because that's kind of the way of the world it's like you know we're all spreading this awareness together completely so after the topic that many of us dread, but such an important topic to discuss as we reopen businesses again, and you know, we figure out how to adapt to this new normal. Um, how have you both been doing under quarantine? 
a lot of people have been taking on new hobbies and learning new skills. Have you guys been able to try something new or take on a new hobby during this time? Um, so I would say, I don't know if this counts as a hobby, but like organizing and cleaning <laughs> has been like all I've been doing and, you know, just getting my apartment together. And it's so weird for me because to be honest, like I'm not the type of person that likes to organize. Like I know there's so many people out there that are like, yes, like I love organizing. And I wish that was me. Like I literally wish that I had that in me to like love it and just want everything to be and span clean every day but like that is definitely not me and I think over the past like couple years everything was just so go 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 you know like another event every night or another meeting that I had to go to or I have to film or I have to do this or I'm on a trip and well not I have to I get to because I'm very grateful for it but you know it was just super fast paced and I was never really at home enough besides filming time to like spend the time to clean. So it got so bad and just, yeah, I was really living in like a little pigsty over here. And um, I'm very happy to report that everything is nice and clean and organized. And I made a lot of donations, you know, giving back to people who like might need makeup or clothes more than I do um, and would get more use out of it. So that's been like the main thing that I've done during quarantine, I would say. <laughs> How about yourself, Ale? Yeah, I mean, same. I think that once I figured I was going to be home, I was going to be in this house for months, I said, okay, well, now it's time to attack the projects that I never felt like I had time for, which was, you know, cleaning and organizing a, a ton of home decor. I've been doing a lot of online home decor shopping. Ooh, yes. I would say the, the, one th the one hobby that I have picked up is working out, you know, was something that um, I always knew I wanted to do, but I just would always dread doing it. And I've realized now because I'm home so much, you know, my excuse was like, oh no, I have a, I have an event. I don't want to be sore tomorrow or we're going to take a trip. I'm not going to be able to, you know, commit to the classes. So all these excuses that I had before, now I had all the time in the world. So, you know, I started and I didn't realize how much that was going to impact like my mental health and how amazing it was going to make me feel, especially now being in quarantine. It's just like, you really need to find a way to stay motivated and to push yourself to work, you know, because it's not like I have a boss telling me like, Hey, you know, this, is, these are the things that you need to finish by five o'clock today. I'm my boss. So I can tell myself like, just lay on the couch all day and watch Disney movies. So, <laughs> that I'm home, it's like, I needed to find a way to stay disciplined and to stay, you know, motivated. And I felt like working out really, you know, after I work out in the mornings, I already feel like I'm starting my day with an accomplishment. And that really just gives me so much energy to then film and to take pictures and to, you know, work on my, my company. And it, it's just, it's been so good, the, the impact that it's had on me physically and on my, on my mental health. Yeah, I wish I could say the same about working out. I, when we first started going into this quarantine, I was like, all right, I'm going to work out every single day and didn't happen. <laughs> Baby Not steps. Long. But yeah, like you guys said, I think we are going through a period of collective learning and we're trying to understand, you know, what each of us want to come out of this quarantine with and, you know, hopefully some good changes in our lifestyle and whatnot. But For sure. I think it helped because us being home, it really kind of just like all that extra noise that we deal with daily, you know, like Roxette said, we live such a fast paced life. I mean, we're going to 
sometimes three, four events in one day. And then you have meetings and then we have to film for, you know, multiple channels and we have to take Instagram pictures. So it's like our life was so go, go, go that it literally had to take a pandemic for us to, to <laughs> slow down and be home and, and just kind of like, you know, be good to ourselves too and slow down a little bit. So even though it's been a little crazy being home for so long, I kind of enjoy it. I like being able to have all that, you know, extra time. Honestly, yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Like, I feel like I'm getting so used to it now. And I've Dang. been, I think it's going to be weird to like go back to, you know, how our lives were before, because we're now it's kind of like, Oh, like my home is my happy place. Exactly. <laughs> I'm getting so much more stuff done here. And I think a lot of people are rushing going back to normal, you know, have, getting back to their, their regular schedule. But after this pandemic, I hope that people understand that it's a new reality to things. Yeah, it's our new normal. Yeah. So, Ale, um, could you tell us a little bit more about the engagement on your channels during this pandemic? What was it like? Did you find that your audience were more engaged or less engaged? I mean, it's definitely been a wave. Um, you know, there's, I think that they're, the content that they're wanting to consume is a little bit more of entertainment versus, you know, learning content. So I've kind of tried to take that into consideration and, and done more like, or organizing videos. Like I did, I organized my, I did an entire video organizing my fridge. It's like, what? But I knew people were going to love that and they're going to enjoy it. They love organizing videos. They love cleaning videos you know, doing things a little bit more lighthearted, doing videos with my husband, some challenges. You know, I know that people right now, you turn on the news and it's nothing but just like very heavy things. So they come to us to, you know, to to distract their mind a little bit. So I've kind of taken that that and, and readjusted my content. I still post beauty stuff. I still post tutorials, but I try to make them a little bit more fun and entertainment and inter entertaining for them. Um, and definitely doing things like lighthearted things like challenges with with my husband and fun things like that. And they love that. Yeah. And they and it's so funny because they're so thankful, like they're so thankful, you know, where, when I post videos like on my vlog channel I, or if I don't post, like if it's been a couple of days or like, Ale, where are you? Please post like you're the one that's getting me through quarantine. I need your content. And, you know, those are the kind of tech uh, messages that really keep me motivated and keep me going, because I know that even though I think it's maybe a pointless video for somebody else, it's going to help them get through the day. Well, it's so sweet that your friends actually reach out to you to see where you are. So, Roxette, what was the engagement like on your channels during this whole quarantine? And did you find that your audiences were more or less engaged? Yeah, I agree with 100% with Ale. I think, you know, that it is like what we do is some sort of entertainment and can provide relief for people. And I love what you said, Ale, about like, you know, for us, it may seem like a pointless video, mm -hmm. but for somebody else, it means so much. And it really does like bring a smile to, you know, our audience's faces and make somebody happy. And like, that's what has kept me going as well through this whole thing. And I think on top of that, I've been doing a lot of cleaning videos too, mostly because I love I your cleaning videos. 
Oh my God. Thank you. I literally never thought I would do that because again, I'm not, I'm not like a cleaner. Like I'm not a good organizer or like, I don't even really like love it to be honest, but I love the feeling afterwards. Now I'm seeing, um, but I really only like started to film it because I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is taking so long that I don't have time to film like my normal makeup videos. So like, I'm just gonna have to film this and put it up. And I honestly like, had no idea how much people loved cleaning and organizing videos. It's so crazy to me. And like, I totally get it because even now, like I've watched other people's and I've watched some of yours too. And it's like, it's so interesting to like watch other people cleaning. And I think it's super relatable right now, like with what everybody's going through. And I think that's one thing that I've also focused on, on top of just like providing some lighthearted entertainment is like, providing content that is relatable that's like that more relaxed at home feel um and just trying to like show people that we really are all in this together yeah i've been watching your guys's videos i i know uh ale you had a target haul video and can relate so much to going <laughs> to target and spending way too much money coming out of it exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> And then I was also watching, um, Roxette, your Zoom call makeup tutorial. <laughs> and obviously the, the tutorial that you put on, um, it just gave it the right amount of coverage and color needed for all these video conferences that we have now. Yes, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> it totally resonated with me, both of your guys' videos. Super entertaining. Um, but Roxette, are there any challenges you foresee for influencer marketing um, for both brands and influencers past the pandemic? You know, honestly, I feel like it's just such a unknown, but I think if I had to guess, um, I think right now and moving forward into the future, like online shopping is so high and I think it will continue to rise. Um, I know like some of my friends, you know, they're like, I can't believe how many like, clicks I'm getting on my links that I like post under my videos or in the description box because you know like it, it's crazy to think about it but you know everybody's kind of at home and just doing a lot of like online shopping whether it's for like home decor or you know new clothes or whatever it is and pretty much every site that I go on whether it's like you know Princess Polly or um, Pretty Little Thing or any of those like fashion websites they're always sold out of everything. And I'm just like shocked every time that I see that. But I think that it says a lot about like, you know, spending habits and like how people are really like turning to these online sources for, you know, <laughs> for purchases because we can't go out. And in the same way, I think, you know, retail might have some challenges moving forward. I think everybody's going to go to like online boutiques, like, you know, Ale's and um, stuff like that, because it's just going to be such a different lifestyle. Like I almost feel like people aren't going to want to go out anymore because now we've gotten used to like just being able to go online and like, you know, order a couple things real quick. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think people are going to be a lot more cautious about, you know, going out shopping and like trying on clothes that other people have tried on. So I think it, these are great points that you made. And I think our listeners will really appreciate, you know, your perspective as they plan out their strategies for the remaining half of the year. Um, but Ale, I noticed that you're on TikTok and you have a couple of videos up already. Um, how has the transition been going from YouTube, Instagram over to TikTok? 
Uh, it's been great. Now it's been great. In the beginning, you know, my niece was actually the one that was always like, Tia, you should make TikTok videos. And I'm like, you know, I'm just not good with those dances. I can't dance. I mean, I could dance, but I can't dance those, like those TikTok dances. They're a little bit too advanced for me. So I, I was thinking and I was telling her, I need to find a way to do TikTok, but a way that feels, you know, um, comfortable for me and for me it was i started off with cooking videos like i started doing like some fun like food videos because it's something that i truly love and enjoy and then from that i said okay well i, st I still want to do like shopping videos or like you know talking about beauty products that i love and things like that so i, I did like an amazon haul or like amazon products that i recommend and i kind of just started incorporating the same style that i have on youtube and instagram and doing it my way on tiktok because for a while i had like the misconception that it was all just like dance videos but i mean once you download tiktok and you actually you're on there i mean you will be on there for hours there's videos on everything it's super entertaining i love it i think it's just more of like a relaxing type of of um app for me right now and i just kind of have fun with it and and i still try to keep it true to my brand and i've been loving it yeah, I recently just got onto TikTok and let me just tell you, it's a black hole. Like it the, <laughs> they just keep on going and it's so hard to pull yourself away. Like next incredible. thing you know, you're like three hours in and you're like, oh my God, why am I still on here? Yeah. So what are some tips you have for brands and influencers that are experimenting with the app? I mean, first and foremost, have fun with it, but at the same time, figure out how that, how you can use that app um, to, to where it works with your brand. And for me, it was trying out different types of videos. You know, I did, like I said, I did cooking videos and actually my first, my first TikTok video that I posted got almost a million views and I, and I had a thousand followers. And it just opened my mind to realizing that that is a platform where you can truly, truly grow. Um, and, and there's so much opportunity there, but I also knew that I, it had to stay cohesive with my brand. And that's why I tried to figure out different ways to make it work. And even though I do like some fun things on there, I, like I said, I, I still try to bring in, you know, the beauty products and, and lifestyle and, um, cooking, um, and like haul videos, like my Amazon, I think my Amazon one did really good and just incorporating those things because I feel like people's attention span is getting shorter and shorter by the day. So TikTok is so great because it's like you have 60 seconds to to share what you want and people will consume it. I mean, I cannot tell you how many things I've bought off that I've seen on TikTok or things that I've learned on TikTok and people are really using that app for reviews on stuff. Like there's there's girls that will talk about like, "Oh, top dupes." for high-end products, dr you know, drugstore dupes. And you, I've, I've bought so many things because of TikTok. So I know that it's definitely something that brands should start looking into. And it's, it's, a, it's a very fun way to incorporate products that we already love to share with our audience. Um, so it's definitely something that brands should, should get into and look into. Wow, that's super amazing that you just got 1 million views on one of your first videos on TikTok, that's incredible. Yeah, and I and my niece, oh, I my niece thought I was the coolest person on earth. Because she's like, oh my God, how did you do that? I said, I don't know, but we should keep doing it. <laughs> and so that was, I said, okay, well, obviously food, food is big on TikTok too. So it's like, and I, you know, I also brought TikTok into YouTube. I feel like TikTok videos are, 
you know, people are consuming so much TikTok that I decided to do like a series where I follow TikTok recipes. And that's kind of become like a cooking series on my Spanish channel. And then on my English, it was like trying TikTok hacks and just kind of in t uh, integrating both, you know, my the way that my brand is on YouTube and Instagram and taking it onto TikTok. And then knowing that TikTok is such a big trend right now, bringing that into YouTube. Yeah, it's it's like going back and forth between the channels and integrating your content between all of these channels, pretty much. Right. So Roxette, how about yourself? Has it been the same for you? I watched a couple of your videos on TikTok and I know that you've been experimenting with different formats of content you post on the platform. What are some of the challenges you face when you're creating and building a community on TikTok? Yeah, totally. I wish I could say it has been the same experience because that was very inspiring what I just talked about. but. I don't know. I feel like I haven't really found like my place on TikTok or, you know, the types of videos that really resonate. Um, I think it's been for me a difficult transition because I'm more of like an educator, I would say on other platforms with like longer form videos. So it's been, it's been a weird transition for me to get to those like short form trend filled content of the G Gen Z audience and you know, I mean, it's definitely a fun app. I think I need to spend more time on it to like really, really like find my place and kind of understand all the different facets of it. But I think it's like such a fun app to play around with. And it's so different than anything else that's out there. And like Ali said, it's like kind of like somewhere where so many people can go to view so many different types of videos. And it's almost like you never know what you're going to find on the For You page and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, because like there's just so many different types of videos. But yeah, I'm still kind of like figuring it out and, you know, trying to experiment with different different types of videos on there. Yeah, I think it's such a new platform and, you know, I think a lot of brands or influencers are still trying to get accustomed to the app's features and like algorithms because it's so different from what we're used to. Yeah, totally. Um, so ladies, I think our time is coming up. So we're just going to ask a few questions that our listeners are interested in knowing. Um, Roxette, do you have any tips for other influencers who just started? I mean, I think that this is really cliche, but it's kind of like you just have to throw yourself out there and do it and be yourself. Um, I think that any platform nowadays is like very saturated, but the thing that really makes, you know, you stand out is that you are you and like nobody, like there's so many, for example, in the makeup world, there's so many people that can teach a smoky eye or that can teach how to contour or, you know, that can teach you specific techniques. And that's amazing. But I think the thing that makes, you know, you specifically or any channel stand out is your personality and the relatability. So, you know, I think that's like the number Number one thing that I would say, even though it does sound a little cheesy, is just to like be yourself and really put yourself out there. Yeah, I think that goes back to what we've been talking about, about being relatable and having content that resonates with your community. Yeah, 100%. And Ale, what are your tips for brands when it comes to working with influencers? Um, I think the most important thing is just knowing for them to understand that we know our audience best. You know, we've been doing this for in my in my situation i've been doing it for seven plus years so it's like i know what my audience likes and just kind of giving us 
that freedom to be creative and to be able to obviously take their key messages um, and their hero products and translating it into our own language because that's what's going to make a successful campaign because at the end of the day our you know we know our audience best we know what they what works um, and just kind of you know being able to find that middle ground where where they feel like obviously their messaging is being you know um, what is that word I'm looking for uh -huh. yeah their message is being heard but at the same time we're doing it in a way that we know our audience is going to love and, and understand yeah well thank you so much for taking the time to sit and chat with us ladies um, we're so excited to partner with you here at launch metrics and to all our listeners be sure to check out Roxette and Ali's channels they're on YouTube Instagram, TikTok, and also remember to check out our latest State of Influencer Marketing Report for more data and insights. So thank you again, ladies. Thank, thank you. you so much for having us. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Beauty Talks. For more content like this, feel free to visit our blog or tune in next time for more industry advice.